All right. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, being here. If you haven't had a chance to meet me, my name is Chad, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors. And we're going to start a new series this morning called Encounters with Jesus. We're going to spend four weeks um, hopefully personally connecting with Jesus. Um, you'll see throughout these weeks that there were great crowds that gathered around Jesus, but the people that actually experienced his salvation were those people that had personal encounters with him. So it's not just generally being in the room, it's actually interacting with the personal Jesus. And to kick off this series, I want to welcome Sir Gregory Thornton. So can we give him a warm round of applause? just want to say a, a quick few words about this man. I, I'm so excited for this morning. So proud of you. Appreciate um, it. Appreciate just over the last several months, um, just been giving himself to studying what it might be like to um, preach. And that really flows out of his heart for people. Um, this man is a great evangelist, uh, as reflected in just the, the number of lives that you've touched. But he has a, a deep desire to see them connected and planted in local churches so that they can grow and thrive. And so for that, I love you and I respect you. Um, and I'm excited. I'm taking up his time. That's why he's looking at his watch. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All right, so. Well, appreciate it, um, Chad, for that introduction. Um, as he said, my name is actually Sir Gregory. Um, yes, my name is Sir Gregory. Um, all my friends and family call me Sir G. Um, but before I get started, I got to be real with y'all. I got to be honest with y'all a little bit. Um, I come from a deep, southern, traditional Baptist church, Amen. where church, where we do church a little different. And, um, and every Sunday, the preacher always start off with two lies. He, every, every preacher got two lies that he do every Sunday. Lie number one, he'll get up there before he start preaching, he'll say, I'm not going to be before you long. And two hours later, he's still preaching. Um, lie number two, in the middle of his sermon, he'll say something like, I'm almost done. I'm about to wrap it up. It's my last point. And 45 minutes later, four points later, he's still preaching. Um, so I hope to be honest with y'all when I say I'm not going to be before you long. But if I do, y'all, y'all understand why. Um, but just to tell you a little bit about myself, born and raised Memphis, Tennessee, 901. That's my city. Go Grizz, Chings, Hot Wings, all that stuff. And in 2010, I was privileged, had, had the opportunity to come here and play college football. Uh, packed my bags up, moved to Jonesboro. I was part of the crew that had four coaches in four years, three Sunbelt championships, um, two bowl games. I ain't trying to brag, but... Um, and if you would have asked me my freshman year, 2010, if I was a Christian, I would say, yeah, of course. My dad's a preacher. My granddad's a pastor. Do you not know who my mama is? My mama is the woman shouting in church every Sunday, breaking all the church season I had here. It's like, of course I'm a Christian. Um, and when I say, y'all, we went to church every Sunday, like here, when I say we call it church, you know, church started at 10 o'clock, but we know church going to be over at 11.30, right? When I say I went to church every Sunday, church was from 9.30 until, like, we didn't know when we was going to get home, like, for real. And so if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, I really thought that just being a Christian just meant I call the church on Sunday. I try to be a good guy. You know, I, I know to say Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. 
But it was in this year as a freshman that I just remember going to my room night after night, just feeling so empty, just feeling so lost, just feeling so lonely. I remember every night just laying in my bed, just saying, man, there's this void, this emptiness in my heart. But on the outside looking in, I, I had everything that I thought I would want. I was a true freshman balling out on the field, scoring touchdowns in the newspaper. I had girls liking me. I had the approval of my friends. I was the life of the party. I'm supposed to be the dude that's, that's happy, right? But every night I was just feeling so empty that nothing in this world satisfied me. And it was in the same season that God just began to show me that, man, being a Christian, that knowing Jesus, experiencing Jesus is so much more than just coming to church on Sunday, singing some songs, enduring the preacher preach, dipping some bread in the cup and going about my week. That being a Christian, knowing Jesus is so much more than just being a good person and, and, and trying to take care of my family. And I truly believe that God has created each and every one of us here today. And with that being said, man, we all long for love. We all are looking for joy. We all long for peace. We all are searching for significance. We all desire this contentment, this satisfaction, this fulfillment. But sometimes, man, we just can't seem to find it. And so we go from thing to thing, and we think, man, if I can just get this in my life, then I'll be good. If I can just get to this point in my life, then I'll be happy. But, man, some of us just can't seem to find that life that we're looking for. So my hope for us today is just to look at God's word and let God's word speak directly to us. So um, please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for bringing us out here today. I pray first, Lord, that I decrease and you increase. I pray, Lord, that your spirit just be experienced today, God. I pray that people just fall more deeply in love with you because of this sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So before we open up the text, I think it's very important to note, um, just to get a good background understanding of, of this times, this cultural climate. So in the story that we're going to read, it's going to be a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman. And it's important to know that Jews hated Samaritans. Jews had no dealings, no association with Samaritans. That Samaritans was looked at as less than people. That Samaritans was viewed as unclean dogs. Who were the Samaritans? Samaritans were the people that was mixed, that was partially Jew, and that was partially just, just other countries. So I remember going to Africa, and uh, it was black people, white people, and then it was colored. And colored people was the people who was mixed, half and half, black and white. And the black people really didn't accept them, and the white people really didn't accept them. So they were just kind of this group over here. That's kind of how the Samaritans are. Like, no one really accepts them. No one really cares about them. And they really don't have a place. So just keep that in mind as we read. But um, if you have your Bibles, please stand and turn with me for the reading of God's Word. We'll be in the book of John, chapter 4. Verses 3 through 18. John chapter 4, verses 3 through 18. When you find it, please say amen. 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 Y'all doing good. Y'all doing good. Y'all got some little Baptists in you. Y'all got some Baptists. <laughs> so starting off, John 4, verses 3. So he left Judea 
Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. It was about noon. A woman came from Samaria. A, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, Jesus said, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you will have asked him and he will have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now are with is not your husband. What you have said is true. This is the word of God. Thanks be to So it's the middle of the afternoon, the hottest part of the day. And y'all, I was one of the volunteers this past week that helped out with the kids. When I say it was hot, like if it was another day, I don't think Slade would have made it. Like he was about to pass out the last day. And it's the middle of the afternoon, the hottest part of the day. And here comes Jesus, a Jewish man. He's coming from Judea to Galilee, which is a two and a half day journey. So Jesus has been walking for miles on top of miles hours on top of hours. He's tired. It's the scorching heat. So he comes beside the well, sits beside the well. He sends his disciples into the city to get some food. So here's Jesus just having some me time, observing the scenery, probably feeding some birds. Who knows what Jesus is doing? He's by himself, right? And anyone in this time would know that women only came in the early of the morning while it was still cool or late at night to draw water. And no one came in the middle of the afternoon, the hottest part of the day, to get water. So one would assume that Jesus wouldn't expect someone to come so he could get some water from the well. But here comes this Samaritan woman. She, she walks up, and she sees a Jewish man, and she knows that this man is not about to talk to me because I'm a Samaritan. And Jesus said, hey, excuse me, miss. Can I have some water? She looking confused, like, hold on, hold on, like... And she says, how is it that you, a Jew, is talking to me, a woman of Samaria? See, not only, see, Jesus brought two cultural norms here. Not only is he a Jew talking to a Samaritan, but he's a man talking to a woman. But Jesus don't, don't just respond to her question. Jesus says, if you knew the gift that God has for you, 
and who it is that you're speaking to, you will ask me, and I will give you living water. Somebody say living water. Amen, amen. Jesus said, if you only knew the gift that God has for you right now and who I am, you will ask me for water, and I will give you living water. Somebody say living water. And this woman, she, she really don't get what Jesus is saying. She really don't get who Jesus is. She, she kind of gets smart with Jesus a little bit. She say, how are you going to draw water from this well and you have nothing to draw water with? She says, are you greater than our father Jacob? Like Jacob is the one who gave us this well. And Jesus tells this woman, he says, everyone who drinks of this water, We'll be thirsty again. And this leads to my first point, that nothing in this world satisfies. Nothing in this world can bring you that hope, that joy, that peace that you are looking for. Nothing in this world can meet your every need. Nothing in this world satisfies. Y'all, we got to get this today, that nothing that we can place our hope in, that we can look for joy, will ever bring us the life, the joy, the satisfaction, the peace that we are looking for. I remember back in my um, playing days, um, I had four coaches every year. And one thing that remained the same about each coach was that the summer was the hardest time to play football. Why was the summer the hardest time to play football? Because it was the hottest time to play football. And this was the coach's time to intentionally torture us. We used to be outside all day, every day in the sun, pushing sleds, flipping tires, running stadiums, and... I remember, like, my mom used to call me every Friday and say, son, you make it this week? I just say, mom, I made it another week. And everybody knew Friday was what, Jabari? Friday was stadium day. We had to run new stadiums every Friday. And I remember, man, we got to the top of the stadium, and we had to run to the top of the stadium, touch the gate, walk back down, and run back up 10 more times. And this one day, man, we get up there, and we're looking around, we like, Coach, I ain't no water bottles up here. Coach said, y'all don't need none today. we like, Coach, we ain't running with no water bottles. Like, we ain't running. Coach said, no, nah, y'all got to run today. Coach blow the whistle, and we take off sprinting. I touch the gate, and as I'm walking back down, I see something strange. I look in the middle of the field, and I see the water cooler and the water bottles lined up perfectly in the middle of the field. So every time we ran up, touched the gate, came back down, we just staring at the water that we can't have. <laughs> and we thirsty, we about to die, it's hot, we, my legs just shaking, man, we about to pass out. And I just remember thinking, man, if I can just get this water, I'll be good. When I get this water, then I'll be happy. I won't be tired no more. I won't be frustrated no more. When I get this water, I will have everything I need. I just need this water. Coach said, all right, guys, one more, then you can have a water break. Everybody was like, all right, all right. Coach Blue Wilson, man, we sprinted, and touched the gate. We all ran down racing. Man, we grabbed a water bottle, you know what I'm saying? We spraying ourselves. We feeling good. And Coach said, all right, line back up. We got some more. And I remember, like, instantly, I was like, I'm still thirsty. Like, I'm still tired. I'm still frustrated. I'm still mad. Like, that water literally did nothing for me. And I say this story to say, because that's how so many of us live our lives. We live our life thinking, man, if I can just get here, when I get this, I will be good. 
when I can just get married, then I have the love I need. When I have kids, then I have the satisfaction, then my life will be complete. I'm sometimes thinking, man, when I pay off my student loans, then I'll be, then I'll be good. <laughs> Y'all got some amens on that one. <laughs> and that's how so many of us live our lives. We live our lives going from thing to thing, no matter what it is, just, just hoping that, man, when I get this, then I'll be good. But Jesus told this woman, and Jesus is telling us here today that nothing in this world can satisfy you. Jesus has told this woman, and he's telling us right now that we will drink of this water, but we will be thirsty again. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, he says, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him would never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And this leads me to my second point that Jesus is more than enough to satisfy your soul. Jesus is more than enough to meet your every need. Jesus is more than enough to bring you that joy, that love, that peace that we all are searching for. Jesus and Jesus alone is more than enough. And and so far, Jesus kind of been talking strange to this woman. He he first says, when you come to me, I give you this living water. And this woman kind of like, I really don't get that. Like, what's this living water? And then he says, the water that I have will become in you a spring of water that wells up to eternal life. So, so, so right now, it's kind of some confusion. But verse 15 really shows us the condition of this woman's heart. In verse 15, the woman said to Jesus, sir, give me this water so that I would not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And let's just take a quick look at, at who this woman is. Like, Jesus goes on to say, okay, go call your husband and tell him to come here. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're right, you have five husbands, and the one you are with now is not your husband. So we see that this woman has been going from relationship to relationship, that she's an adulterer, that she has been sleeping with men, that, that man, she's looking for something, that, man, this woman is going from relationship to relationship, man to man, just looking for love, looking for acceptance, looking for peace. And we also can see that this woman is going to the well by herself, the hottest part of the day, because she's hiding from the other women. That, man, we can just assume that the other women probably, man, man talks about her. She's filled with shame. She's filled with guilt because of the things that she has done in her life. That man, so many men have just promised her things and just broken her heart time and time again. This woman has been abused. She's been used. That this woman is desperate. And she says, sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty again. She said, give me this water because I'm tired of coming here. And we see that this woman is desperate for change. She's not satisfied with her life. And she's admits that she's tired, but she's still missing it. She's still missing it right now. Because she thinks that the water that Jesus is talking about is, is some magical potion here on this earth. And that's how so many of us go about our lives, man. We think, okay, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in Jesus, but I still need this to give me that peace. I still need this promotion to give me my self-worth. I still need my husband or my wife to love me in this way. That, man, when we get Jesus, Jesus is more than enough to satisfy us. We don't need nothing else when we get Jesus. 
And we got to get that. Ask yourself this right now. What do you think would bring you happiness right now? Like, what will satisfy your soul right now? Like, what are you most desperate for right now? Is it, is it their vacation? Are you tired and you think, man, if I could just make it to this vacation, then that'd be good? If I can just, man, get that free, if I can just get this, if I can just get, what is it? Nothing in this world will satisfy you. You may be asking the question right now, okay, Sergi, I, I hear what you're saying. You're saying all this stuff about money, nothing in this world can satisfy me, but how can some living water from Jesus satisfy me? And John said, but just a just a couple chapters later, Jesus tells us that the living water is his Holy Spirit. So when we come to Jesus, we get Jesus himself. That when we come and taste and see and place our trust and our lives in Jesus, man, we get his very spirit that comes and thrills inside of us. So when you get Jesus, you, you get more than enough. And if you haven't heard this before, I'm glad I, I, I can be the first person to tell you this, but the truth of the matter is, is that everyone here, every man, every woman, every mother, every father, every son, every daughter, everyone here has sinned against a perfect, holy, mighty, righteous, loving, merciful, gracious, faithful God. We all have loved ourselves more than God. We all have loved this world more than God. We all have disobeyed, rebelled, turned away from God. We all have said, God, this relationship right here is better than you. And the fact is, because we all have sinned against God, we all stand facing the punishment that we do deserve. We all deserve to die and spend eternity separated from God, being punished for our sins. We all deserve to be hopeless. We all deserve to be left alone. None of us deserve life. But God, being so rich in mercy and so great in love, that Jesus came down, lived a perfect life. Jesus is the only one who was ever innocent. Jesus is the only one who was ever righteous. Jesus is the only one who is good. Jesus is the only one who deserves life with the Father. But he saw us in our condition, and he died. Jesus was nailed to a cross, pierced in his side, crowd of thorns beating on top of his head. His beard was ripped out his face. The Bible says Jesus was beaten to the point he was unrecognizable. Jesus died so we could live. Jesus went thirsty so we would never thirst again. Jesus suffered so we could go free. It's all about Jesus. Jesus has given us everything that we need. Jesus took on our sorrow so we could have joy. Jesus was hopeless, nailed to that cross, no way of escape so we could have hope. Jesus endured the cross, abandoned by all who loved him so we could have a father in heaven. And Jesus' last words on the cross, I, I love it. He, he yelled out to tell us that which means it is finished. It's paid in full. I have done it all. I have suffered so you don't got to suffer no more. I have been abandoned so you don't got to be alone no more. I have been filled with shame so you can go free. Yeah. 
Don't y'all get it? It's all about Jesus and Jesus alone. Nothing in this world can satisfy you. It's all about Jesus. And I remember as a child reading, reading the Moses and the burning bush story. And, you know, God said, Moses, go into Egypt, lead my people into freedom. And Moses said, okay, what should I tell the people your name is? And God said, I am, I am. And I always wondered, like, what, what type of name, God? Like, I am, I am. That ain't no name. But what he was saying, he was telling Moses that I am everything you need. If you need the comfort, I'm just there. If you're looking for peace, I'm the prince of peace. God said, I will be everything that you need. And when we get Jesus, we have more than enough. Jesus is enough to meet our every need and satisfy our souls. So we don't got to run wearily and restless from thing to thing in this world. And we might be sitting here today. Y'all might be sitting here listening to me right now and say, you know, I'm, I'm good in my life. I'm good just being a good person. I'm good just taking care of my family. I'm good just doing a bare minimum to get back. I come to church on Sunday. I pay my tithes. I'm good. I, I'm here to tell you that being a Christian, knowing Jesus, is so much more than that. Because everything in this world will pass away. Jesus and Jesus alone is eternal. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Being a good person is not enough. If you don't got Jesus, you got nothing. I remember watching um, when Tom Brady a couple years ago when uh, he won his third Super Bowl ring. He now has four. Could have had six, but somebody dropped the ball. Um, <laughs> after his third Super Bowl ring, he signed a $65 million contract deal. 60 Minute, um, the TV show, interviewed him. And Tom Brady looked at the camera and said, I have three Super Bowl rings. I have a smoking hot supermodel wife. I have more money than I would ever thought I would ever have. But there's something still missing. The guy interviewing him looked at him and said, Tom, what is it, man? What is it? And Tom said, I don't know. And the truth is, man, you can have everything this world has to offer. All the money, all the fame, all the glory. But if you don't got Jesus, you got nothing. And the truth is, the truth is that, man, you can have nothing, but as long as you got Jesus, you got everything. Amen. Just the song that we just sung, um, just even the lyrics, man, like, there's no reason for me to sing, but I still praise you. That I have nothing in this world, but I got Jesus. Amen. And growing up, man, my family, man, we used to sing a song, go, as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Mom, I she finna shout now, y'all but. <laughs> Y'all better watch out. That's how she warm up. <laughs> I know. But the song says, man, as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. No doctor, no lawyer, no teacher, no preacher. As long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody. <laughs> Jesus and Jesus alone. It's what we live for. Jesus and Jesus alone is where we find our hope and our peace, our satisfaction, our fulfillment. That, that void I was telling you about, I was going to my room every night just, just empty, just drinking, going from girl to girl, chasing the girls, life for the party, scoring touchdowns, people patting me on the back, 
just, it's not it. Jesus. And ever since I experienced Jesus, I've never felt that same void, that same emptiness again. That I can be alone, but I got Jesus. And, and y'all, my dad, he used to, um, he used to preach a sermon. He preached, he died in, in 2000, the summer of 2000. And before he died, he preached a sermon. And it said, after all I've been through, I still have joy. After all I've been through, I still have joy. Yeah, my dad died in 2000. A year later, my granddad dies. So in less than a year, my mother, she lost her husband and her father. And this was a very traumatic time in our family life. I just remember just feeling so scared every day. Just like, how are we going to get by? Who going to protect us? I'm just a seven-year-old boy trying to be a man. I don't, I'm trying to cut the grass. I don't know how to cut the grass. I'm, I'm trying to just make it. And I remember every night my mom, she made us get in the circle. And we prayed. And we prayed to God. We trusted in God. My mom just used to say, God, help us. We need you. After all I've been through, I still have joy. Because after all I've been through, I still have Jesus. And Jesus is enough. Jesus and Jesus alone. And you might be sitting there right now thinking to yourself, all right, man, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't, I don't know how to get to Jesus. I, I don't have that joy, that peace. I, I don't know how to get it. And in fact, I feel like I don't deserve it. But I love what Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 say, the Lord is speaking. He said, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for debt which is not bread and your labor for debt which does not satisfy? Listen to me. Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Y'all, so many times we think, man, being a Christian, getting Jesus, man, we got to clean ourselves up. We got to be this person on the outside. But Jesus has told this woman, just, hey, come to me. If you only knew the gift that I have for you, it's me. It's free. All who are thirsty, come to me right now. Okay, you don't got no money. This woman did nothing to get Jesus. And in fact, Jesus, all he did was ask for some water, and he didn't even get that. Like, <laughs> it's... Jesus is looking at all of us right now just saying, hey, if you only knew the free gift of salvation, the free gift of freedom, the free gift of hope that you can have right now if you only look to me, if you only trust in me. And y'all, when we even just take all that in, and let's just look for a quick second, like, when this woman saw who Jesus was and what he did, and just the living water, what did she do? She did two things. Um, verse 28. Verse 28 tells us, So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? 
First things first, this woman saw Jesus and she left her water jar. The very thing that she'd been holding on to for so long, the very thing that she'd been trying to find her life and, and her worth, her joy, her fulfillment for so long, she left. Yeah, we can't taste Jesus but still try to hold on to the things of this world. We can't live for God and live for Jesus at this. I mean, we can't live for Jesus and, and hold on to the things of this world. And this, work, and this jar was, is a depiction of the very thing that man was bringing her the pain and the suffering and the disappointment. And she left it. And she ran to the city and told everyone about Jesus. But, but, but hold on real quick. What changed within this woman within the five-minute conversation that this woman who was coming to the well in the hottest part of the day because she's filled with so much guilt, she's filled with so much shame that she's, wanna, that she's wanting to hide from everyone, that she runs into the middle of the city to the same people who talking about her, to, to the same men who have broken her heart, and she yells and says, come meet a man who has told me everything I've ever done. And what she did had nothing to be proud of. But see, she experienced Jesus, that, sh- that shame, that guilt that she had, she been set free from. That she don't got to hide no more from this world. That she don't got to hide from, from these people because she has a Savior who loves her unconditionally. And, y'all, it's important to know, too, that it wasn't until this woman's sin was brought to light that she experienced freedom. It wasn't until she stopped hiding from these people from these situations, from her condition, did she finally experience Jesus? Like, what are you hiding from right now? What's that thing that, man, you were ashamed of that you don't want nobody to know about, that you're trying to keep down? It's not until we are able to confess and confront these things can we truly experience Jesus. Yeah, the truth is, we can come to church every Sunday with a smile on our face, we can hug each other. We can shake hands. We can go dip the bread in the cup. We can go drink coffee. We can go out to eat after church. And we can go about our weeks and just go about our lives. But it's so much more to knowing and experiencing Jesus than that. Jesus wants us all to experience the freedom and the love and the joy and the peace that only he can give. And as I close, I just want to end with this quote from um, Paul David Tripp. And it says, every day you attach the hopes and dreams of your heart, your satisfaction and your joy to something. Every day you look to something to give you life. Every day you give yourself to something in the hope that it will give you peace and joy. Every day you attach your identity to something, and there are only two places to look. You are either looking for life in the creation and are on your way to crushing disappointment, or you are looking to the creator and are are on your way to lasting peace of heart. Now, every day we wake up, we have the option to place our hope, to, to find our life, to place our identity and the things around us. Or we can every day wake up, turn to Jesus, come to Jesus, and experience true peace of heart.
a peace, a joy that will never fade away. As I leave, I just want y'all to remember that nothing in this world will ever satisfy you. TJ, being the best football player, they will never satisfy you. Having all the people scream your name in the newspaper, they will never satisfy you. But Jesus and Jesus alone is more than enough. Let me pray. Father God, you are good. You are a loving father. You are a friend who loves us so patiently. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And God, man, you are a God who gives us the free invitation to come eat and drink. You are the good shepherd who, who has laid down his life for each and every one here. But man, you call us all to and you call us all to respond. And I pray, Lord, that we stop running and chasing the things of this world, but Lord, man, that we run and find rest and peace in you. Be with us, Lord, as we leave. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.